With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you Nebraska baseball. Catch our live coverage as the Huskers meet the Indiana Hoosiers on the Diamond at Hawks Field at Haymarket Park in Lincoln. Watch Friday, May 10th at 6 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Kicking off hour number three here on Hurt at Sports Radio on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And for this third hour, KFOR in Lincoln, we are live from the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. We were talking earlier about our friends at the Omaha Supernovas. They tipped off, kicked off, served off their season uh, last night. Tipped off, kicked off. And then Sur- served off. I was like, I mean, I don't think that either of those are right. Sir, uh, I don't think served off is right either. Started off their season there last night uh, with a five-set thriller that they ultimately lost against the Atlanta Vibe. You can see them in action again in Omaha on February 3rd. That's a week from this Saturday back at CHI Health Center against the San Diego Mojo. Go to supernovas.com for more information and for single game and season tickets. Let's see if we can beat that 11,006 number. I think we can because I believe in you folks and I believe in the Omaha Supernovas. And I believe that you'll see the best volleyball talent you've ever seen on one floor. NCAA champions, All-Americans, and Olympians. We saw the movement last night with 11,600 strong in CHI Health Center. Let's keep that movement going on February 3rd when your Omaha Supernovas take the court once again. Joining us now, our friend from Husker 24-7, Michael Brunts. Bruncey, how are you this morning? Not bad. What's going on? Hey, Bruncey. Hey. Oh, you know, we're just uh, having a good time here, talking a little professional volleyball today, talking a little Jim Harbaugh. You know, just having lots going on for a January. Yeah, it's uh, what. What's the slowest sports month? You guys think? Is it? Is it May? Is it July? July. I was gonna say July. July. Yeah. I don't know. May's pretty slow. Even yeah, but if you wanted to, and I know you don't, but if you wanted to, you could talk NBA playoffs. You could talk <laughs> NHL playoffs. You can talk baseball. You can do that in June, not in July. We said July. Yeah, June, I, I June, said May. I said May is pretty slow. Yeah, and I said July was slower because you don't have NBA, you don't have NHL, College World Series is done here, you're not quite to NFL football camp. July is the desert of sports talk radio. The, uh, I, I love baseball. I'm good, man. 
Do, do you remember like the the th- like the three de- back when Sports Center like actually showed highlights and stuff? That you know that way way back in the day. Is that the new when MTV used to show music videos when ESPN Basically, used to yeah. show highlights? <laughs> they're they're kind of like arm in arm, I think. But like, do you remember like the three days around the All Star break? It would just be like. There was nothing like <laughs> yeah, on, on ESPN those three days. It was the worst. Like you wake up in the morning and there's just nothing. That's, I always hated that as a kid. Lots Go. of home run derby coverage. Lots of uh, <laughs> lots of lots of softball game coverage. Softball yeah. game. Bill, yeah. Bill Nye, the science guy, legging out a double. Don't forget about yeah. don't forget about media days. I mean that's that's it. Yeah, baseball and media days. Do people watch yeah. those media days in July? We have to. There's nothing else going on. <laughs> Uh, Brunzi, speaking of baseball real quick, tomorrow college baseball practice gets started. How pumped are you? Uh, very. I'm, I'm excited. That means spring's around the corner. It's like uh, it's like a sign of spring, right? Like it's UPS mm-hmm. guys breaking out the shorts. It's, uh, <laughs> it's it, the, the, the snap of the glove. Everybody is uh, – tomorrow's a great day. Everybody is zero and zero. Everybody's healthy, feeling good. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Now, Brunt, stay there with baseball before we jump into football because, you know, Husker Athletics has, see, has seen a strong uptick in talent lately. Football gets Dylan Rayola. Softball gets Jordy Ball. Volleyball always recruits high-level athletes and transfers. Women's basketball gets Britt Prince. In order to be playing in Omaha someday again, how do you feel about Coach Bolt's team right now heading into spring? And who are we possibly sleeping on if there are any of those uh, giant, I don't even want to just call them recruits or transfers that are either in the program today or being brought in? Well, I mean, if, you, if you're just going off of rankings and, um, you know, who is, who is kind of pursuing players uh drew christo i mean he, he's that kind of guy um you know he was a top what, 150 recruit i think out of, out of uh elkhorn and you know i, I think he's going to be an early story storyline for this team i mean I, I think he came in with a lot of um because of that that ranking a lot of expectation that you know he hasn't lived up to through two seasons and you know nebraska has to find starting pitching options on Friday and Saturday nights, and I think he's going to get the shot to do it. I mean, he's a big physical pitcher, um, you know, throws mid-90s and, you know, has developed a pretty nice breaking pitch to go with it. So I, I would probably go there in terms of just guys that, you know, that are kind of that name that, that people should know. Um, you know, this team I think is going to be a little bit more uh, maybe – Maybe not uh, lacking star power isn't the right word, but I think they're going to be a lot more balanced than what they've been in the past. I mean, you had two guys last year that in Max Anderson and, and Bryce Matthews that I would put among the people that you just mentioned, Andrew. But um, I, I think kind of out of the gates, the the two that I would say are, are Drew Tristo and and then Dylan Carey, who was you know, the top player in Colorado out of high school, and I think has the potential to be a breakout star this year for Nebraska. We're talking with Michael Bruns, Husker 24-7. Bruns, before we move on from baseball, what do you think is realistic for Nebraska, both in terms of talent acquisition and expectations for the program in the Big Ten, and how much, if at all, does that change with the addition of the four West Coast teams next year? Yeah, I'm eager to see how that works out. I mean, I think, 
I think they have to. I think the conference has to be smart about how they bring those four teams in, and I think there's an opportunity to kind of raise the profile of, of the conference. I mean, I know that the the new Big Ten commissioner Tony Titi has been more involved with um, with Big Ten baseball meetings than any of his predecessors. He's a former um, you know Major League Baseball executive, so he actually understands the sport. I think that helps, um, and you know, I, I think. You know, there, there's an opportunity if if the Big Ten wants to do it to expand the number of teams that you put in, in the tournament in the conference tournament. I think you can get creative with scheduling earlier in the year um, to, to kind of take advantage of the fact that you have two teams in Southern California. So I, I think there's a real opportunity there, and and you know UCLA has been good for a long time. USC's getting better. They've been kind of the Nebraska football almost of college baseball um, the last 20 years and, and Oregon and Washington are consistently good too so I think that's it's kind of an arrow up situation for Big Ten baseball and I think you know since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten I think Nebraska kind of helped push forward a lot of the the kind of growth in the conference that they've had so far and, and you know I, I think there's another opportunity to take that next step with these four teams coming in. Uh, Brunty, Nebraska signed 29 high school players in December and added six transfers out of the transfer portal. There's ones we know a lot about and a good amount we don't. Let's lean toward the good amount we don't here. Who's one Nebraska fans should know more about in terms of, in terms of making the earliest impact at their position or maybe it's the importance of early development for that player. Who's a player that we just don't know enough about that fits that criteria? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, you know, you kind of been paying attention, but not a, a guy that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit is, is Ja'Cory Barney. Um, <laughs> unfortunately it was the kid that went viral for falling on the ice. Uh, <laughs> and I dropped felt, a smoothie. I felt bad. Like, you know, that. I, I've done that. I mean, I just. You know, I did it yesterday. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> it happens to everybody. I mean, like, dude, it happens. It's a rite of passage. My yeah. back still hurts. Um, yeah. So, I, but I think he's a, somebody that people need to kind of keep in mind. I mean, I think when you kind of look at positions where Nebraska is going to be looking really hard at younger guys to, to kind of come in and, and play, uh, wide receivers, one of them. I mean, it's a tough position to, to learn if you're not on campus early, um, you know, I, I think that um, Ja'Cory Barney probably gets overlooked a little bit because he, he kind of had a, he had a no drama recruitment, which, you know, Nebraska beats out Miami, his hometown school for him. He never wavers. Um, he plays quarterback, running back, wide receiver uh, for his high school team the last two years. And I think he's a guy that, that Nebraska staff really feels like they got to steal there um, out of South Florida. So I think he's a guy to know. Kind of, a, you know, when guys commit late in, in the process too. I'll give you one on defense. Um, Vincent Shavers, uh, another Florida kid, uh-huh. um, goes up to the last weekend of, of the the recruiting process, committed to Miami, visits Nebraska, flips to Nebraska. Um, wins a defensive MVP in an all-star game uh, down in Miami of, of basically the top players in the region. And if you watch his highlights, he just kind of has like that extra gear when he's rushing the quarterback that I, it, it kind of makes you take notice. And, 
you know, I, I think what we saw last year with Nebraska is that Matt Rule and his staff are, are willing to take advantage of somebody somebody's tools. Like, if a guy can get after the quarterback, James Williams is a good example of this, who, who comes from nowhere on the scout team, and all of a sudden he's in there on third downs getting after the quarterback. I'm not saying that Vincent Shavers is going to do that, but he has the kind of skills and with being on campus early to put on some weight, to go through strength and conditioning and all that stuff that everybody else does. But he's one that I'm at least intrigued to see a little bit more on the field, just because of the way his recruitment happened, it was really late. Um, you know, he basically visited and committed within a span of about 72 hours and, <laughs> and you know, then, then signed. So, uh, he's somebody that has my attention as well. We're talking with Michael Bruns of Husker 24-7. So looking at the early enrollees, obviously quarterback gets all the attention for the early enrollees and for good reason. Uh, both of Nebraska's freshman quarterbacks uh, are, are early enrollees. You mentioned some of the challenges at wide receiver. Um, you mentioned Vincent Shavers maybe being able to put some weight on. Uh, we haven't really talked about the offensive lineman enrolling early yet. Outside of that quarterback room, where do you think it will most benefit some of the guys coming in early? Is it guys like on the lines where they need to physically mature or maybe places like wide receiver or defensive back where they maybe need to get their mind right for the college level? Uh, well, I mean, I, I generally look at linemen coming in, especially offensive linemen, like you get such a huge benefit from doing – going through that first winter conditioning and kind of getting that process started of adding weight, reshaping your body, that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that's so huge for those guys to kind of have that extra time. Um, you know, Grant Bricks enrolling early, I mean, that, that, that was a decision that he was really kind of wrestling back and forth with. And, you know, he's a developmental prospect with a really high ceiling. And you're going to get the opportunity to go through the strength and conditioning program this winter get adjusted to just going against, you know, having to block Nash Hutmacher and having to block Ty Robinson. I mean, you're not, you're not at Logan Magnolia there anymore <laughs> um, having to deal with those guys. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of benefit for him and Gibson Pyle and um, those, those guys coming in early. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I'm eager to see what the two deep looks like once we get to like August on that offensive line, because, mm-hmm. You know, last year you had Gunnar Gatula on there as a true freshman at one of the tackle spots. You had Sam Sledge working his way at, at one of the guard spots. I don't know if it's going to skew that young this year. Um, but I guess back to your original question, I, I just think there's a little bit more benefit to linemen to kind of get that process started and kind of start developing. And, you know, I, I think w- when you talk about corners, I mean, that, that's maybe one that we're not talking about enough with, with Buford and, and Larry Tarver coming in. But they kind of have the same thing. I mean, you, you, you're a cornerback in high school. You're, you're kind of the top dog. You're used to going against you know, wide receivers that are about your size and, and that thing. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're having to line up across from, uh, you know, like an Isaiah Nair who's every bit of 6'3", 6'4", 210 pounds and is like five years older than you. I mean, that, that's there's an adjustment to make there too. So I, I think guys – you know, you can say whatever you want about guys finishing out their senior year and having that experience and blah, blah, blah. But if, if you want to kind of get that process started, I mean, that, that first semester is huge. And you look at the guys that play as, as true freshmen this year for Nebraska. 
a lot of those guys were here in the spring and going through things early. Brunts, do you think a guy like a guy like Grant Bricks, who obviously with his caliber of recruit a lot of times we think okay those are maybe guys that could get on the field early but as you mentioned he's also kind of a developmental prospect even with that uh, high star rating do you think he's maybe a redshirt candidate for this year maybe they try and get him in the four games but they'd like to preserve that extra year of eligibility for him yeah I mean I I think that's the idea is that he'll he'll you know redshirt and and kind of use this year to grow Um, you know like like I said earlier I mean I, I think the the picture is a little bit more crowded at offensive line along the offensive line than what it was last year. I mean, I I was trying to think back the other day they had, I mean, they were almost down to like 10 or 12 scholarship linemen last year um, this time, just because of injuries and everything else. And, you know, this year you've got a lot of six year guys coming back. You're bringing Micah Mazuka at at one of the guard spots. I mean, I, I, I think it's probably trending to where Grant Bricks, you know, is, is maybe not needed in some ways um, unless he kind of comes out and just kind of blows the doors off everybody. But, um, you know, I think a lot of times with, with high school linemen making the transition to college football, uh, you know, there, there's a, a learning curve that kind of comes with pass blocking. And I think that's the case of Bricks just based on the style of offense he ran in high school. And, you know, that, again, that's the benefit of having 15 more practices in the spring to learn that stuff. But, um, you know, I know at least with Bricks, just a, a tremendously high ceiling. Um, and, you know, a guy that's been good at everything he's ever done his whole life. I mean, he's, he's a really dialed-in kid. He was yeah. – Schaefer went out to one of his high school games, and, you know, during halftime he's a, he's a drum major <laughs> leading the band. So – um, you know, he, he's, he's definitely used to succeeding, but I, I think I think it's probably more a situation where, you know, he's just learning, um, you know, a little bit further down on the death chart. Brunts, we know Coach Rule is a standard setter. How have you seen weekends like the last and the one upcoming become an example of the new standard under Coach Rule? Like, how have you seen things change under his leadership from – either the ones that came before and even from his evolution from year one to year two? Um, in, in terms of recruiting? Yeah, in terms of recruiting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think what you've seen is, you know, you, you, you're seeing the staff kind of catch up a little bit. I mean, I, I think what maybe gets lost, um, you know, with the recruiting conversation and, and you know, it kind of relates to new staffs, you know, you, you, you get hired and you just have like a dead sprint to the finish line that first class. So that, that to me was the 23 class. And everybody assumes, okay, well, new class, you're caught up, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're ready to kind of hit the ground running. And I still think, you know, in that second class, just with the way that a lot of recruitments are nowadays, you're still kind of playing catch up. You're, you're trying to evaluate, figure out where you are, where you need to go, like in your region recruiting-wise, that kind of stuff, figure out what you have on your roster and what works and what doesn't. And they had a great class in 24. Uh, But I I still think, you know, that you're kind of like honing what you know. And I I think you're seeing in the 25 and, and, you know, even the 26 class uh, a much much, uh, better idea of what they're looking for a, a better, you know, stronger relationships with recruits earlier in their recruitment, which I think matters. And, 
you know, I, I think the blueprint, though, for them, and, and you've seen it this last couple weekends it, with, with who they've offered and who they've brought on campus, it, it's going to start, you know, in this region. It's going to start locally. A lot of, you know, talented local kids were on campus this past week, and they're going to have more uh, this coming week as well. And they're going to build with that, and then they're going to bring in skill guys and, and fill, you know, from Texas and Florida and different places. And I, I think, you know, the message that they're giving to recruits is that, you know, the foundation's been set, and now they're kind of ready to, you know, take that next step as a program. We'll see if that happens, but that's the message they're sending. And I, you know, from talking to recruits this past weekend, I, I think it was pretty well received. Bruns, are are you surprised at all? Maybe surprise isn't the right word, but has there been any sort of um, attention that you've paid to how far ahead this staff is working? I mean, I think I saw an offer go out to a 2027 class quarterback. Is that right? Yeah, that was the fourth that they've put out to a 2027 quarterback. Is that, uh, I mean, in your experience, at least covering Nebraska recruiting, like is that unusual to be working that far ahead it didn't seem like previous staffs were uh maybe quite as forward thinking as this staff is yeah i think i think at the quarterback spot you kind of have to and Mm -hmm. i i think you know frost staff i think did an okay job of that where you you threw out some early offers kind of see what the to the the kind of like no doubt type guys the 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 ones that you know in two years you know are going to be um, you know, top prospects, you see what you can kind of get out of that. And then, you know, I think the one thing that the staff has done that I've taken notice of, and I, I, I hope others have, is, is they've been really aggressive with making early in-state offers. I mean, you know, the, the 26 class, the, the 27 class, they've got offers out. And I think you have to do that now. I mean, go, going back to what I said, I mean, if you're going to build around you know, that if you're going to kind of build your recruiting classes on local talent and regional talent, you're going to have to make those offers early and, and build relationships because you have to recruit local kids like they're in Colorado or they're in Florida. I mean, you can't take any of that for granted. So I think they've been pretty forward thinking in that way. Um, and I think it's been well received. I mean, I, I think, you know, when you get an early offer from Nebraska and you're, you know, a local kid, I mean, I, I think that's a big deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, the, the quarterback stuff, that, that's just kind of the time frame they're on. Um, I, I think a little bit more now. Uh, but I, I think they've done a nice job of kind of knowing who's around locally and, and you know, within a couple hours here and not being, shy, not being shy about just starting those relationships. And I, I think that's the right approach with the way recruiting is nowadays. Brunch, just a couple of minutes left here. Uh, you, you know, you, you got my wheels turning a little bit with uh, talking about how they've recruited local kids. Um, obviously, a guy like Christian Jones is a, is a big priority for next year's class. Uh, they've already got several commits locally for next year's class as well. Um, but an offer that went out, not early, I wouldn't say, but uh, kind of about in the time frame you would expect is Pierce Mooberry from Millard North. How are they prioritizing him, a guy that physically at least – might profile similarly to Christian Jones, but's had a, a very different high school career so far. Yeah, no, I, he, he'd had the Iowa State offer for a long time, um, but you know, I, I, his dad's a Nebraska, former Nebraska player. Um, you know, the program obviously means a lot to to that family. And you know, Mooberry is an interesting case. I mean, you you watch him on the field. I mean, he's a really rangy kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say he was probably more of a safety rover type. Yeah, uh, but you can see where, 
you know, if you add 30 pounds to that frame pretty easily um, and, and take advantage of that athleticism uh, and, and you got something working there. So, you know, I, I think they're in a good spot for him. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of run of offers that they made, I, I want to say it was in early January, um, you know, I, I think those are all guys, uh, you know, Carp, uh, Jack Carpenter at, at Lincoln Southwest, uh, Ryman Zebra at the uh, tight end uh, down in Platteview. I, I think those are guys that they're in a good spot for. And, and you just kind of, you know, with, with Newberry specifically, I mean, Nebraska didn't buy there a ton, um, you know, obviously because of, of Vermont being committed and, mm-hmm. um, you know, evaluating there. But, I mean, I, I think both of those guys are, are really nice uh, prospects that you could build a class around. And, you know, I, I was it was kind of with Newberry kind of like waiting for that offer. And, I, you know, I, I think it's a good one. I, I think they, they beat some other schools in there, too. So we'll see how that plays out. Well, he's certainly from a good place, right, Bruncey? I mean. He is. He is. <laughs> good, good, good stock. <laughs> Can't go wrong there. That's Michael Brunson, Musker 24-7. We appreciate it as always, Brunson. Thanks, guys. See you, Bruncey. That's our guy, Michael Bruns from Husker 24-7. Coming up next, we've got some Hurt at Hot Seat to get to here on a Thursday. Maybe I'll ask you what your favorite cereal is. Ooh, I do. I did love some cereal back in the day. We've got Hurt at Hot Seat coming up next on Hurt at Sports Radio.